Hey everyone, it's Abadesi, your host of Product Hunt Radio, where I'm joined by the founders, investors, and makers that are shaping the future of tech. Today, I'm joined by Dave Charest. He is the Director of Content Marketing at Constant Contact. Dave is an expert when it comes to helping businesses reach their customers in inventive and authentic ways. He spent over a decade supporting all kinds of makers as they aim to maximize the reach of their products and services. So I'm really, really happy that he agreed to do something different with today's episode and talk us through the common pitfalls we make when marketing our products. He's going to talk us through the mistakes that we should avoid at every stage from pre-launch to having products that have been around for years. So get your notebook out and enjoy. Dave Shares, thank you so much for being our guest on Product Hunt Radio today. You are the Director of Content Marketing at Constant Contact, and I know you've spent many, many years working with businesses to help them create effective marketing strategies and really grow their brand and reach their audiences and grow their audiences. And the reason why I was so excited when your teammate Patrick contacted us uh, about getting you on the show was because I know marketing is one of the biggest struggles the makers in our communities face. For a lot of folks, it's not something that they've ever had an opportunity to study full time, but it's something that absolutely is essential to their business succeeding. So I'm really happy to have you on the show. And I'm also really happy that you've agreed to do something fun with this episode and talk about some of the common pitfalls folks fall into when they're thinking about marketing so that hopefully our listeners will avoid those today. Um, so thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Wonderful. So before we jump into uh, marketing tactics and specifically what to avoid doing when thinking about content marketing for your business, I thought it might be fun to just hear a bit more about you, your background, and what your role is like there at Constant Contact. So, geez, so I've been at Constant Contact for, let's September was eight years. Uh, I've been working in marketing uh, and with small businesses and nonprofits for about 13 in total. And yeah, my day to day, I mean, I started at Constant Contact as a content writer, a content developer, and now, as you mentioned, director of content marketing. And really, my, my job these days is a couple of things. Uh, one of them is working with our small team here to make sure that we're kind of telling the right story. And um, we have a mission on our team. I'm really guiding the team around that mission. And our mission is to provide practical, step-by-step marketing advice to small businesses and nonprofits so they can do more business and more for their cause. And um, the practical step-by-step piece in there is really important because one of the things we've noticed over the years or realized talking to so many small businesses and working with them is that, you know, it's it's one thing to say, here are the best practices, but it's another to actually walk them through how to implement those best practices. Because we find a lot of our customers and our primary target really is that small business owner uh, by trade and marketer by necessity. And so many of the folks that we're talking to aren't necessarily trained in marketing, I'm not sure of all the terms and the things that we marketers like to talk about and like to do. And really that practical piece is another important part of it because making sure that the person can actually, because they're usually uh, highly strapped for time, that person can actually take the advice that we're giving them and actually implement that is also very important. And so 
really, you know, my days are spent kind of pushing the team to think about uh, whatever content pieces that we're creating, that we're doing so in a way that are, you know, engaging, compelling, or solving a real problem for the people that we're trying to reach, and then actually providing them something that's really practical for them to implement and actually get a result from or start to see some progress from. And that's what, you know, part of my time is spent doing. The other part is I do a lot of speaking um, for the company, and I'm, I'm going to small business expos, digital summits, and all of those types of things to, to just share um, and help small businesses kind of make sense of online marketing as a whole and really show how all of those pieces kind of work together and give them some you know, quick things that they can do right away to start to see some better results from that. So those are my days these days, uh, traveling kind of the country and then working here with the team. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yes, I've watched a lot of your content, some uh, lectures that you've done for Google, and yeah, like a bunch of different videos on YouTube. And what I really admire about your technique is how simple you make everything seem. And I mean, I have a bunch of friends that work in the marketing industry. I myself have also had a lot of like marketing within my role, you know, in my current job and also at other startups. And I appreciate how you acknowledge that Sometimes with marketing speak, it can get quite technical (laughs) or it can start to feel really far removed from basically like making a connection with a customer or selling a product. And I appreciate the fact that you, you know, you mentioned that and you acknowledge that a lot of the people that you are supporting are very low on time. They've got a lot of competing priorities because they're running a small business. And, you know, that has so many parallels with our community because we have makers all around the world some of them are still studying some of them are in full-time jobs some of them are managing multiple projects to have multiple revenue streams coming in to get by and I think exactly as you said for many many leaders of businesses right now marketing becomes a necessity even though it isn't necessarily something that they are experts at so I think it's really cool that there are folks like you and resources out there that make things a lot more more simple and actionable. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important too because I think, you know, having been somebody that was kind of self-taught through all of this too is I think that's one of the elements that I I kind of bring to it as, you know, as I'm first in marketing even some of like the terms, I'm like, huh, what is that? I mean, I was just recently I was <laughs> I was speaking to my uncle who actually is a contractor. Um, and he's got his website up and his hosting had, had run out. And so his website was down and I was talking to him and, you know, I had helped him with it back in the day when we put it up kind of many years ago, but <laughs> I'm texting back and forth with him and he was like <laughs> re-upping his hosting package and was like, oh, it's going to take 24 to 48 hours for DNS propagation. He was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, he's like laughing and he's like, it sounds like a medical procedure. <laughs> and so he's like, it's all Greek to me. And, and really, you know, you know, we forget that sometimes when you're kind of too close to the work and you're saying these things and and realize it, not really realizing that people are like what are you even talking about <laughs> you know so yeah it's very important to really kind of think through that amazing so i thought it might be fun to just kind of dive into you know what not to do now um from the perspective of our many makers who are listening i want to start with folks who are still at the place where they have not launched their product to the public, or perhaps it's still like in a closed beta. So um, let's say I've built an app, or maybe I've created some kind of, I don't know, matchmaking service or whatever. I've identified who my target audience are. So let's say in my example, it's going to be like a millennial matchmaking service for busy professionals in the city. 
how soon should I start thinking about content marketing and putting together marketing campaigns, you know, even if I if I haven't launched my product yet? If you're thinking about whether you should start with content, yes, you should start with content. <laughs> because and the reason I say that is uh, is strictly because content to me is kind of a, it's an evolution, right? It's always changing, it's always morphing and it's a conversation if you're doing it right. It's a conversation between you and the audiences that you're trying to reach. And before you even have a product, if you're getting involved, if you're trying to find out, if you're doing that research and you're finding where your audience is is playing, <laughs> uh, so to speak, if they're online, if you're finding out the places that they're talking, the places that they're doing things, if they're offline, if you're going to those events that they're going to and you're actually talking to them and communicating with them, you're learning a lot and you're learning a lot and you're having those conversations. And if you're doing content correctly, I think content feels like a conversation. You're really starting to understand what's going on with your customer or your audience and those people that you're trying to meet. And I think one of the big mistakes is that people often wait until they have a product um, before they get started. And then it's like you're playing catch up. Now, imagine if you are kind of talking to people and you're starting to build this almost a community around this conversation or these these particular topics. And you're having, you're kind of part of that group. You're part of that community. You're engaging with them. You're learning from them. You're talking with them. Um, and I think that's a big key. You're not talking to them. You're talking with them, right? You're learning from them and you're communicating. And then that kind of allows you to have this opportunity where you have, when you have a product that's ready to launch, they're kind of been along with you for part of that journey because they know what you're doing. You know, so you're talking about it. You're letting people know what you're working on. You're, you know, asking for their input. You're trying to get, you know, information from them. Now they're kind of pro part of that process. And so when you launch, you're actually launching to people that have some idea what you're doing already. And it helps you along the way because when you do launch, you have more insight already that you're kind of going to have a stronger launch because you're going to have people that come and right through it. But you're also going to be speaking to people in a better way because you've had those conversations already. And so I, I often think it's one of those things that, you know, oftentimes people say like, well, you know, I'm not ready for email yet or I'm not ready to build the list. And, and I'm like, you know, you don't have to have something necessarily in order to start having those conversations. If it's in a particular area of expertise or something that you're thinking about, you know, you can start having those conversations. And sometimes through content and through those conversations, you may actually figure out you need to develop something completely different, <laughs> you know, depending on what that is. And so that's why I think, you know, one of the, one of the mistakes is people wait too long to get started. Yeah, the sooner you can get started, the more you learn. And and to be frank, you know, content is about creating content at the end of the day. And let's be frank, I think if you see, I think, with, well, with anything, uh, you know, consistency is really important with marketing in general and particularly content. And I think if you go back to, you know, many of the people that started doing content, you know, if, you, if I'm thinking of like a Gary Vee or, or, or something like that, that's kind of one of the bigger names, right? But if you go back to those early episodes of when he was doing what the wine, wine library or whatever he was doing back in the day, right? Like those are, you know, not the best quality when he's first started, but you start to learn as a content creator, you start to understand and you start to get better. And then the quality of those comes up, right? And I think it's it's ultimately the conversation that people are there for, particularly in those early days. And it allows you to kind of kind of get those bumps out of the way early on um, and, 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 and become better. Because, you know, I approach it like a craft. It's like you need to be looking to, all right, how do I make this better each time? 
but by waiting for perfection, you kind of get in your own way when you can actually be getting benefit from producing something and getting it out there versus waiting for it to be perfect. Yes, agreed. I feel like, you know, what you're saying around it's never too early and and really what you're trying to do is start a dialogue, start a conversation with your users. It echoes so many other parts of building a successful product or service. Because if you think of it from, let's say, like a design perspective, you know, we've had some of the best designers in tech come on the show and basically say, show anything to your you know, potential customers as quickly as possible so that they can start feeding back on it. And, you know, same kind of thing with engineers. It's like, you know, ship the most basic version that you have as quickly as possible so you can start getting feedback. And it sounds like, you know, based on your advice, the same principle applies with marketing. You know, if you think it's going to be valuable to connect with your audience through email, through blog posts, whatever channel you've picked, you know, don't wait until the product is perfect or ready, but rather already start engaging them maybe with the story of why you're building it or why you're choosing to build in the stack or whatever you feel is that part of your expertise you're tapping into that the audience would be curious about. Does that sound about right? Yep, that's exactly it for sure. And I wanted to say then, so there are like quite a few things that you mentioned there, which I thought were really valuable and I thought it might be helpful to dig into them a bit more. You were talking about how any you know brand leader company leader can try to find out where their audience play online and start having conversations with them do you feel there are any like things to avoid when when doing this and i guess what i want to uh, touch on is the fact that particularly let's say in the world of digital products and tech products there is a lot of spam out there there is a lot of what i call like very like meaningless type of engagement. I feel like I'm on the receiving end a lot of, of a lot of this because I have open DMs on Twitter. But I can feel that someone's kind of just like copied and pasted the same message like, oh hi Vanessa, I know you're really interested in UFOs. And I was like, am I? And it's like, why not check out my guide to like citing UFOs? And I was like, that's not me at all. So I just wondered like when when folks start engaging with their audience and starting to have conversations as they're you know building, what should they avoid doing? So I think what they should avoid doing is some of the things you're mentioning there, right? Like don't approach it as an opportunity to get your message in front of people. Approach it as an opportunity to participate. And it's different, right? It's like like you go, let's say there's an online forum or something like that, that you know people are hanging out and there's part of discussion is people asking questions and there's things going on there. So you can go there and you can say, hey, check out our stuff. <laughs> or you can go there and you can actually participate and ask questions and you know answer questions that people are having and be part of that community. And I think that's the big difference. If you do that and you're kind of you're legitimate in your purpose for being there and is to learn and, and, and get that information from people. Um, you're going to find you have people engaging with you in a way that's more meaningful and you don't come across as that person that's just there to spam people. Right. And I think that's that's the big the big difference. And the thing that you should be thinking about is it's not a place to just paste your message <laughs> or, or shout out. Right. It's a place to be part of the community. And the message is secondary. And I think based on those conversations that you have and those things that you do, like that's what generates the interest of the discussions. And actually, it's a great way to, I think one of the things, you know, early on in my career, when I was starting, I was doing a lot of work in um, the New York theater scene. 
And, you know, I would participate in conversations with local theater practitioners and people running their own theaters and doing all of that type of thing. And, you know, we would have conversations in these groups about a particular subject. And, you know, based on the conversations that we would have, whether they be Twitter or in a particular forum, then that would spur, a, oh, okay, I want to write more about this particular topic. And then I could go to my blog and write more about that and then say, like, here, I expanded on this idea or these things that we were talking about here. And in that sense, now it makes sense in relation to what you're talking about to, to, to present this link of this conversation that we've been having versus just going on to a place and going, here, I wrote this thing, read this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It becomes part of the conversation and it extends that conversation and builds that community. And so it's just a different way to approach it. And, and really thinking about it uh, through that lens of participation and engagement versus trying to get what you want. I love that. I think, you know, the keywords that stood out for me there are like participation and engagement. Sometimes we are perhaps too target oriented as makers where we're like, OK, I'm going to speak to a thousand people today and I don't care how it goes as long as I hit that number. Um, and I think, you know, what I'm really getting from this advice is that you know, you want to make a, a genuine connection. You want to just inspire that person to respond or engage in some way. Yeah, for sure. And so kind of sticking with that, what I love about this advice you've shared around, you know, don't worry too much about whether or not you're ready to start having conversations with your target audience or to start having conversations about what you're building and why you're building it. What I like about what you've said is that it echoes a lot of things that other folks have said on this show before as well. So for example, we had like Gina Bianchini, who is the CEO of Mighty Networks, talking about some of the most successful online communities that are leveraging her platform. And she said that some of the most successful leaders, business leaders, community leaders on her platform are those who have spent the last few years building authentic connections with people that share their passions. And I just wondered, what advice can you give for folks who, let's say, are really good at product design, really good at coding, really good at building the product? but feel perhaps less confident about their ability to narrate. Um, is there any advice you can give, maybe based on you know some of the folks that you've worked with, people who are listening who are like, I know why I'm building this. I know why I care about this, but I find it very difficult to articulate that. Interesting. So, yeah. So, you know, I think one of the things, I, I guess I'll share a story that might help. You know, I think one of the things is really, talk, again, talking to people, uh, getting your stuff in front of people and really listening to what they say. And because sometimes that helps direct you towards or you'll hear common themes or you'll hear things that, oh, that you didn't necessarily think of. Because a lot of times we're too close to things <laughs> um, and we can't really see the, you know, the forest through the trees kind of thing. And and it's it's this idea of, you know, back in the day I was working for, uh, I worked for a, a physical therapy office and I was working with a client there and we were, one of the first things I had done was, was speak to his his patients, uh, speak to the clients that were coming in, and just talk to them about you know what was going on, uh, what they liked about the 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 facility and all of that type of thing. And a common theme we kind of got to was this idea of as we were thinking about how we talk about the facility was this idea of it was uh, somebody came up with this phrase that was called the, this healing sanctuary, 
And ooh, right? Like, doesn't that sound like, oh, come to this place. It's your healing sanctuary, right? And like, you can see how, like, it was true to what people were receiving when they got there. And it gave you a cool way to kind of talk about the thing that was like, oh, okay. You know, and so I think when you spend time with those people that are going to be using your products and services or whatever the case may be, you start to hear the way they talk about it and and the way they what excites them about it too and and the things that they kind of latch on to and you may start to hear those commonalities and then it's you can kind of pull those together and 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 kind of think about like all right like how do i then expand on those particular ideas or how do i focus on those ideas because those are the types of things that are likely to attract other people to your product or service as well so that's how i kind of look at that i love that i think that's great because that shows the additional incentive for makers to invest in creating this content and connecting with their audience and their community that way. It's not purely just like, oh, I'm going to reach someone who I can convert into a paying customer. Although, of course, that's great. (laughs) It's also about having that opportunity to depict your brand and your product, your service in a way that resonates with folks more clearly because you're literally taking their words that they have used and putting that on the shop front or, you know, the web page, whatever it is, as opposed to what you perceive it to be. And that kind of goes back to your point, isn't it? Where like when we are involved with the product, it's hard for us to take that step back and kind of consider it as, as someone else might, because we're so deep into it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think one of the, here's one of the biggest mistakes I think we can make as marketers is I'm always, uh, always clamoring here. People will always hear me say, I'm like, the worst thing we can do is have a bunch of marketers in the room trying to figure out the problems that people are having in relation to our product or service and trying to solve them just by ourselves. Because oftentimes we don't see the underlying problems that uh, exist beyond our products and services, but relate to people using them. And so it's ultimately so important to spend as much time with and have conversations with those people that are using your product and service so you can really start to understand that. Uh, Because that is just going to help you really. uh, It's difficult sometimes too, right? But I mean, ultimately just get out of your own way. Uh, in in some ways to just to move where you need to move. That's really helpful. I'm just writing down, get out of your own way, because I feel like that's always very useful advice. So you mentioned the value of consistency when it comes to uh, marketing. And I just wanted to maybe get you to share some common pitfalls that a brand or or a maker that's still in that early stage. So let's say they're maybe pre-launch of their product, or perhaps they have launched recently and they're like, okay, right. I've listened to Dave's advice. This is my strategy. I'm going to start engaging with my audience. I'm going to do it consistently or aim to anyway. What, what might be some of the common mistakes folks make at that point where they're really excited and they're going to go ahead with this? So I would say one of them uh, to build off that excitement piece of it is being a little too ambitious and not being uh, realistic with what you can actually maintain and what you can actually do. And so I think that's the first step is really thinking about, all right, realistically, with all this other stuff that I have to do, how often can I, let's say, you know, create a blog post, right? How often can I do that? And if it's once a week, great then that's once a week. And I know, you know, as first starting off, you might be like, I'm going to blog every day and I'm going to, and it's like, okay, you're not going to be able to sustain that. So ask yourself realistically um, what you can commit to 
and then make that a commitment or, you know, write it down as part of your plan, as part of your strategy, make that a commitment so you can do that. I think secondarily to that is this idea of not necessarily the mistake would be thinking short term versus long term. And because consistency uh, is really what we're talking about is over a long period of time, oftentimes, when you're, particularly when you're thinking about content in relation to the benefit that it can have for you, we're really thinking about you know, 12 to 18 months of consistent activity <laughs> um, before you really start to see those benefits. And so as you might get little pieces of things, like it, it's like a snowball effect. So as you start doing each piece or each thing that you do kind of adds a little bit more to the snowball. And oftentimes you'll see people kind of get frustrated or not not see the results they were hoping to see. And like, you know, they might go for a few months and then kind of stop. And it's kind of after those few months that things were just about to turn a corner that you end up stopping, you know? And so you really need to think long-term with it um, and commit to doing that for a period of time that is going to actually allow you to start to really see the bigger picture of the multiple benefits that you can have from that. Because, you know, I think content marketing, you know, really allows you to do a lot of things like, you know, you know, you just start to build that trust and rapport with your audience, right? Like that type of thing. You can start to attract new people into the audience because you are, you know, creating things consistently that people are engaging with and sharing and doing that type of thing. Um, you know, you can start to understand your audience better, better as they engage with you and start to gain some empathy for those types of things. Um, you know, you can start to show the benefits of your product or service. Um, you know, you can start to figure out what are those things that people object to, right? And it's all this stuff that kind of comes together over a period of time. You don't just learn all of that in one one go or a short period of time. It's a longer period of time. And, and, you know, as you start to develop these things and you start to build an audience too, you start to, you know, attract people that could be good partners for you or help you get the word out about your particular thing. Right. And so, and of course there's the SEO benefit of regularly creating content and all of that. And again, uh, it's just thinking about it more with a long-term approach and knowing those, those are the things that are kind of on the horizon for you versus, expecting something immediate and then giving up when you haven't really given it a chance to, to, to start that snowball down the hill. Wow. That was so helpful. I think what really stood out to me as well is having an indication of what that loop looks like in terms of, you know, 12 to 18 months of consistent activity is where you really start to see the uptick of benefits. Because thinking of some of my own previous projects, I mean, I quit after three months, I was just like, why don't I have 10k followers yet? This is so frustrating. But that's so, so helpful as a reference point, because I feel like that that means that when one is really thinking about approaching a marketing strategy with intention, they should have, you know, a commitment to commit to whatever that is for 12 months. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I think one of the downfalls of like this social media and just online in general is often we don't see the months, potentially years of work that went into getting to the, you know, the 10,000 followers or the 10 million followers, whatever the case may be, you know, you often just see that because you're coming in at a point where somebody's already kind of achieved a certain level, right? It's like that, what's that saying about overnight success, right? Like the year, it took me years to become an overnight success, right? Like you don't see that work that goes in and know that there is work <laughs> involved, particularly if you're building something uh, from the ground up and you don't have that 
cachet of like a, a of a celebrity or something like that, right? That has some built-in audience, right? So, yeah, it's really important to 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 really think about that and uh, realize it's not going to happen overnight. Of course, yes. This is another recurring theme on Product Hunt Radio, which I'm always very grateful for folks on the show reminding us that you know very few successes are overnight. It's just a lovely little moniker our media like to use a lot. Um, but you know, most overnight successes are five years in the making, ten years in the making, or possibly even longer. But that is really helpful. And I guess a follow up question I have for that is, you know, if we are thinking about you know, having an effective marketing strategy. In order to be effective, we have to be consistent in whatever we do. If we're going to be emailing, we need to be emailing regularly. Posting on socials, we need to be posting regularly. And thinking of the fact that it takes 12 to 18 months of consistent quality posts or content to really start to see those positive results and and maintain them. What advice can you give for folks who are listening to this and thinking, okay, Given that, then realistically, I can probably only really focus on one, maybe two channels max. Because I think to your point, you know, folks do get really overwhelmed. Like when we decide we're going to start our own company, we look at the competition. Usually we look at like the most well-funded, profitable, mature company in our space and go, they're doing everything. They're on Snapchat, they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they have an email newsletter. How should folks make the decision about which channels they should focus on? Do you have any frameworks or strategy for that? Yeah, so I I try to think through that uh, in a couple of levels. I mean, obviously, the first one is thinking about... So, well, actually, first, let me say that you're right. You you really shouldn't spread yourself too thin um, when you're trying to do these things because looking at those bigger companies, too, they have whole whole teams dedicated (laughs) to working those channels. And so it's a whole team. And you're typically, uh, particularly when you're first starting, you're doing that kind of as part of your job too. Uh, and it's just kind of you, right? So you can't afford to be doing all of those things because you lose the impact of them. And so I think choosing what you do is based on a couple of things. One, you know, where is your audience, right? So where's the place that's going to be most valuable to you to engage? And then two is, you know, I think each of the social networks really kind of have their own personalities. You know, if you think about, like, for example, Facebook, you're kind of competing with friends, family, and kind of news, current events, that type of thing. And if you look at Twitter, it's really about, like, really, like, breaking news, current events, and things that are happening, like, in the now. So each one has its kind of own personality. And so you almost want to find what is the channel or the format that you're also going to be most comfortable creating in. So like, for example, um, you know, lots of people aren't comfortable uh, being in front of uh, a camera, right? But then there are people that are, you know, have built their whole social following on, you know, just holding the, 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 their phone up and, and making a quick video, you know, so you got to really think about what's good for you that allows you to create content uh, while you're thinking about these channels as well, because you don't necessarily want to do the things that make you uncomfortable, <laughs> uh, right? Because that might end up hurting you more than helping you. Um, so I think it's a combination of those two things. Where is your audience? And then what channel kind of speaks to you most easily in terms of being able to kind of take your personality and create things that'll help you kind of get going and feel more comfortable as you go. I love that. I think you're so right. It's, it's a balancing act and it's also extremely specific to every individual person, just because one person's been able to, you know, grow their fashion label from zero to seven figures revenue 
in a year just with Snapchat doesn't mean that you can, you know, achieve the same results through the exact same way. Because to your point, you are the source of your content. You are the source of the content that you create. And it's not authentic if you're not using a channel that you don't jive with, if you're not comfortable with. If you're better at writing, don't force yourself to make a video. If you're better speaking, don't force yourself to write. Is that the kind of thing you're speaking of? Yeah. And I think, but in that you can start to look for, so a a story I I would give you here is I I was speaking with somebody at one of the events I was speaking at, and we were talking about this, you know, content creation piece. And, and she was like, I'm, you know, I'm really good at sales, uh, but I'm not really good at the content creation. And I was like, okay, so how can you start to think about how can you use that skill of being good at sales in terms of speaking with somebody, how can you use that and then turn that into content? And then we, you know, we talked about like, well, have you thought about doing, you know, like a webinar? And she was like, well, I don't want to be on camera. I was like, okay, now let's think about putting together a couple of slides and then you talking, doing voiceover over those slides and then, you know, having those conversations you would have with people. And she was like, oh yeah, I could do that. That would be easy for me. Like, oh, I'm like, okay, great. So now you've taken that and you've created this kind of, uh, you know, video slash audio piece of content. Now you can transcribe that and turn that into the written word and then maybe repackage it and turn it into something else, right? It's about kind of taking those things that you feel comfortable creating and then looking for the ways that you can then take that content and repackage it into another form. And then that's where you start to get the, you know, the, the reach or the, the, you know, getting more benefit from it because you're doing what you're comfortable in. And then you're using that to help you create the other things that you might not be native to you. I mean, ultimately I think we want to, you know, good writing is, is writing as if you were having a conversation with somebody and feeling like that. And I think, you know, if you're comfortable talking, um, you know, you can take that and then you massage things to feel a little bit better for the written word. But a lot of times that can be just done through transcription. So it's thinking about how you can repackage those things that, you, that you're already doing or feel comfortable doing. Yes, um, that's such helpful advice. Just reminding folks that, you know, from one piece of content, you can make tons of different ones. I think, was it like Gary Vee that put out that kind of like viral chart or diagram on on the way that he does that quite well. But um, I think that's a really helpful reminder too, because it also reminds folks that even if one type isn't necessarily your strength or where you feel comfortable, it doesn't mean that you can't lean into your strength as the initial piece and then find ways to reuse it. So I think that's really great. So while we're talking, um, you know, about what to avoid, I thought it could be fun to just kind of turn to emails for a bit. Now I know we definitely don't have (laughs) enough time to talk about email marketing, uh, because it's so big, but I kind of just wanted to talk a bit about regular newsletters. The reason why I want to talk about that is because I feel like it's something that a lot of the makers in our community, uh, can relate to, you know, at product hunt, We send out a daily newsletter that drives a lot of traffic to our site. And it seems to be pretty standard practice now, folks developing digital products and services. Once they start thinking about building community and thinking about content marketing, that almost seems to be one of the first that they will commit to. Like, okay, I'm going to start a regular newsletter and I'm going to keep folks updated on my roadmap or what's going on. I wanted to get your advice, given you've worked, you know, decades now with so many different companies, and you've probably seen a lot of email newsletters, good and bad. Are there any like common recurring mistakes (laughs) that you see brands continue making 
I'm, I'm sure there are tons, but yeah, like maybe just like the, the kind of really headline ones, the ones that like keep coming back that you just shake your head at. Yeah. So let me think through this here. So I think the first one, um, and probably the one we can all relate to is the just adding people to your newsletter <laughs> um, without their permission. And I think that's one of the big mistakes because one of the reasons why email marketing works so well is because it's what we call that opt-in uh, channel. Uh, that means somebody is raising their hand and saying, yes, I'd like to hear more from you and your business and you know, yada, yada. So it's when you just add somebody to a list without their permission per se, you're really just doing a disservice because you're, you're, I mean, we've all done this, right? You've opened up an email and you're like, wait, who is this from? Like, why am I, why am I on this list? And then like immediately you have this bad connotation with this business and you're like, no thanks, spam, <laughs> right? So in the long run, it ends up hurting your, your business. And so just I'll, I'll throw out a quick tip there because I know it's, it's, it's tempting to, hey, wait, I have all of these email addresses from this thing that I went to or this thing or you know doing this particular action and I have these email addresses. So I'm just going to add them. One of the things I recommend people do is instead of just adding them is actually just taking those people. Let's say you met some people at an event. You had some conversations with somebody. It's great to just send a follow-up email from your personal email address. And then say, hey, it was great chatting with you. I'm starting this newsletter or I have this newsletter that offers information about this, this, and this. I think you'd find it really valuable and would love to have you receive it and include a link for them to go sign up on their own. And so obviously not everyone's going to sign up, but the people that do are, one, going to respect the fact that you let them make that decision. You put them in control of that. And then you're going to find you have more people that are actually more beneficial to your business because they're actually interested, <laughs> right? So that would be one of the first things. Another thing would be not getting an overall plan. You know, we talk about this whole idea of consistency, and so you need to make a decision, like when are you going to send your newsletter? <laughs> and you should make that decision and try to think of it consistently. So I'm going to send, for example, we have a hints and tips newsletter that we send the, the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. And so guess when that comes out? The second and fourth Wednesday of every month. <laughs> and, and we plan for, okay, what are we going to put on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month? Like, what, you, know, you know what I mean? You, you write that down and you actually have a plan for when you're going to send. And that's very important because it helps you and keeps you honest. Because just, uh, you know, we run into a lot of businesses that say, particularly at the beginning of the year, we're running them on that season now where everybody gets gung-ho about like resolutions in the beginning of the year and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then they don't actually write down that plan. And then, you know, that newsletter you're going to send every month becomes, oh, the first three months you sent one and then you got tied up with something else. And then the third month comes and you, you don't send it or you forgot or, you know, so it's really about putting a real plan in place and writing that information down. Another thing would be remembering that you don't have to do everything in every newsletter and thinking about uh, what that needs to be from a design perspective. You know, we're past those days where we would take the paper newsletter and transform it to a, an online format. It's really about being succinct, uh, making sure that your emails are mobile responsive and that they can be read on a mobile device. Um, you know, we often say picture paragraph call to action uh, is really the what you need to have in that email um, in terms of like length and, and how simple it can be to create. 
And then I think, you know, making sure that, you know, I mentioned that call to action. I think that's an important thing to have there. You know, we often say when you're thinking about writing an email, you know, just think about answering three questions. What are you offering? Why should the reader care? And what do you want them to do next? And if you can answer those three questions, you're actually going to write a pretty persuasive email um, because you're saying, hey, this is what I have for you here today. This is why I think you'll find this thing valuable. And here's what I want you to do next to kind of get it or do it. Right. And that's whether you're making a promotional offer or you're just wanting to get them to go read a blog post or something like this that you've written. Right. And so um, thinking about things like that, uh, we often see people just send an email that doesn't have any call to action. And so you kind of get that and say, well, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> The other thing I would say is a lot of times we, we don't um, go beyond kind of opens and clicks when we're thinking about what's happening with the email marketing that we're doing. So that means, you know, opens and clicks are one thing. I would almost argue that they're, you know, they're leading indicators and, and, and somewhat the original vanity metrics in the sense that they don't actually tell you what happened with your business necessarily. And so you want to make sure you're going beyond those things to say, are people taking the actions uh, that you wanted them to take after you sent the email. So if you wanted them to visit your website, are they doing that? If you wanted them to buy something, did they do those things, right? So think about that. And then the other piece uh, I would say is uh, one of the mistakes we see is people aren't doing enough or aren't putting enough um, stock in uh, building that email list regularly. So whether they have a staff uh, in their store, they're not encouraging their staff to make sure that they're answering or asking for email addresses. They're not making sure that their sign-up form or they're not using a pop-up form is on every page of their website. Um, they aren't using their social channels to eventually get people to take that next step and sign up for the email list. And so it's really thinking about all of the places that you can do that on a regular basis in terms of, you know, in-person, in-print and online to make sure you're building that list and have more people on that list so you can encourage them to connect with you and do business with you. I love that. I think, you know, the reason why I wanted to just get your insight is because I feel that email is so important, like regardless of the stage of business that you're at, you know, even the most established brands are still relying on email to grow and engage with their community. So I think you know, the advice that you gave there was super helpful. I'm really grateful for that. There's like enough in this interview to like do a little mini marketing book, I feel. <laughs> it's been so good. Um, I'm really conscious of the fact I don't have a, a lot more of your time and I have so many other questions to ask. But while, you know, while I still have you, being at the Product Hunt community, we're all you know super obsessed with products. And I thought it might be fun to hear about some of the tools or products that you and maybe the rest of your team use. Um, you've kind of already alluded to the fact that there are lots of great tools out there, let's say, for putting together a great newsletter. One doesn't have to be a designer extraordinaire in order to make something that looks beautiful. But yeah, whether it's things that can help folks stay consistent with their content, managing content, or even just creating it, are there any products that you rely on and that you love that you could recommend? So in terms of tools, I would say, you know, Constant Contact, I think we're known for email, uh, but we've been doing a lot over particularly the last year or so, um, really doing more than email. Um, and so I think folks that, you know, if you're, you find yourself being one of those people that is tired of jumping around from place to place and, you know, tool to tool, uh, we've really been doing a lot in terms of uh, allowing you to kind of 
you know, use email, but also build your own website. Um, if you want to create a logo, actually both the website and logo, you can get started with those products for free. Uh, logo is completely free. Um, so those are the types of things you can start to do to build your brand. Also within Constant Contact, you can start to think about, you know, if you're going to get into advertising, uh, we generally recommend those are the types of things after you've kind of laid your foundation down um, and you start to see some things working from an organic perspective, you can start to amplify those efforts with things like Facebook. Facebook, Instagram ads, and Google ads in terms of search ads there. And you can build all of that stuff within Constant Contact. We allow you to do an SEO audit on your website so you can start to figure out the areas that you need to improve. And so, you know, when we're we're thinking about tools that small businesses can use and make those easy to use, we're really building out the product to kind of allow you to do more of those things, uh, including automation as well, which I think is another important piece of um, really getting the right messages to the right people at the right time. So... Yeah, there's some things we're doing there and working on for for our audience. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dave. So for folks who are listening and kind of want to follow up more, maybe find out more about you, what you're working on, where should they go? Uh, you can find me uh, at Dave Charest on Instagram, and I'm also on Twitter as well, uh, the same at Dave Charest. Amazing. Dave, thank you so much for being on Product Hunt Radio today. It's been great to have you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Product Hunt Radio. I've got a favor to ask you. Will you take a minute to review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now? Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, share the podcast with your friends on Twitter and tag a guest you'd like to hear in a future episode. See you soon.